I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a walk with a guest to take a little wander into their life. This week I'm stomping with Sunday Times best-selling author and a podcaster with more than 13 million downloads under her belt, Emma Gannon. Emma's Control-Alt-Delete podcast and her business book, The Multi-Hyphen Method, propelled her to be named one of Forbes 30 Under 30 in media and marketing in 2018. But after incredible professional success, she realised that the traditional version of success was leaving her lonely and unfulfilled. In her new book, The Success Myth, Emma outlines her manifesto to craft work, and life on your own terms. I want to delve into her ideas about how to set goals that are ambitious but not overwhelming, why the tick box moments in life often feel anticlimactic, and how to break free from comparison and the endless pursuit of success. I think this conversation could reframe how we all view success and our goals. Well, welcome to the Stompcast. How are you doing? How are you today? I'm good today, yeah. It's uh, not raining. So no, it lucky. isn't. No, it isn't. Although um, I, recently I've been trying to catch myself that whenever it does rain, I go, no, don't complain, because one day you won't be able to experience the rain again. That sounds, I know we're going right in deep here, but um, it's so true. Do, do you find that sometimes you can, you can end up moaning a little bit? We all do it, don't we? Oh, and definitely. Then you go, and, then when it's, and then you go, actually, do you know what? There's, there will be a day that I'd love to go and run out in the rain. I'm not saying I won't moan again about it. I will probably in about 10 minutes when it starts raining, but <laughs> it's quite a good way of uh, grounding yourself, isn't it? It is. And actually, I have been trying to do this thing recently where I really do accept reality for what mm. it is. Mm-hmm. And so when it's sunny, you enjoy that. When it's rainy, you kind of get all cozy and you enjoy that. And there's no point pushing back on these things. I quite like that. It's kind of like going with a tide, isn't it? Like you're trying to, if it's in winter and you're wishing for summer, well, you're, well clearly it's not going to just switch seasons for you. But also you're kind of not going with the, with, the, with the flow, are you? And when you start resisting the flow sometimes, that actually creates that feeling of, yeah, just frustration or, you know, like trudging through, through a tide, I guess, and water. Um, the good news is, however, even though it is, it is slightly grey, but again, we're very appreciative of, of all these uh, seasons that we're in. Uh, you are dopamine dressing. You've got colourful, like a colourful outfit, and I've also brought along my colourful umbrella. So we're bringing some, we're bringing some energy and vibrancy to our stompcast today. Uh, are you someone that likes to dress? to lift mood do you believe in that kind of dopamine dressing theory yeah i definitely do i actually was reading up on it recently about the research behind it that you know we we kind of make it up the word dopamine dressing but there is something behind the psychology of like choosing to embrace the day Mm -hmm. and something as simple as putting on a colorful outfit for me just signifies that you're kind of up for it you're up for the day you're you're kind of going to embrace it and um I remember one like really bad day during my burnout last year or the year before where I just got up one day, put on these really bright dungarees and everyone on the street was just saying hi to me because I think it's also an invitation to other people that 
you know, you're, you're friendly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So it can really, I think it can really so change the day. That's actually really true, because the mood side of it I've thought about, but actually almost the invitation to others that, you know, you are friendly to talk to. And I guess if you imagine, you know, I'm, I'm six foot three, if I'm wearing a dark hoodie and dark clothes and whatever, maybe my mood isn't perfect because the clothes aren't lifting me, I don't know. But you might look at that person and think, oh, are they going to be friendly? But when you're like a, a nice br- br- bright pink t-shirt and all that kind of stuff, you think, oh, I mean, it's nonsense. There's no, there's no guarantee, is there? But there is a feeling that, oh, that person is like, they're trying to invite other people to have positivity or to feel good or to engage with you, I guess, maybe. I think so. And I also think what's interesting is the assumption when you see someone dressing really brightly, you might think, oh, look, happy-go-lucky, what chirpy person. I actually think a lot of people that dress brightly mm. or have to really make an effort with their mental health are because they really need it. Yeah. Like, I need, I need to do yeah. it. Otherwise, I just have a bit of yeah. a dull day, I think. That's really true. It's almost like what they say with, um, you know, people who make jokes and laugh all the time. That doesn't mean that they're happy all the time. And sometimes if we look at, like, Robin, William, Robin Williams and things, um, you know, some of the greats, I guess, of comedy sometimes suffer the most. I mean, there's, there's, there's quite a few quotes and sayings that kind of relate to the idea that sometimes, you know, the brighter the brighter the light, the, you know, the darker the shadow, or the bigger the shadow. Mm-hmm. And I think I can see that sometimes. And I think that can also be in terms of energy. Like I'm someone I think I burn very bright, but also I have serious ebbs and flows with that yeah. as a result of it. So that's a, really, that's a really good point with the clothes. Maybe I need to do a bit more of the dopamine dressing. Um, Whatever you feel. I mean, you've go. got a very bright umbrella on say, the go. I'm happy so. with the umbrella. Listen, I'm, I'm so excited to chat with you today. I, I want to delve into um, a word that I've learned because of you. Um, which I absolutely love and I really, really resonate with. And it's multi-hyphenate uh, living or being a multi-hyphenate. So I wonder, um, given you know, you've written a book about this topic, um, I wonder if you could just kind of explain to myself, oh, we're just walking through a crowd of pigeons. We've got uh, pigeons being fed. Are you afraid of pigeons? No, I just think they're a bit gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've, just, uh, we've just dispersed a crowd of pigeons that are being fed. We've ruined feeding time, I think, but never mind. Sorry about that, pigeons. Um, yeah, I wonder if you could talk to us about uh, multi-hyphenate living. What, what, does, what does that mean? Uh, how did you discover it? And, and, and why should other people consider that way of approaching life? Like, what are the benefits? Yeah, so I wrote The Multi-Hyphen Method in 2018, and it was my second book, and it was going to be called lots of different things, actually. I was going to call it Generation Slashy, around this idea that many of us have, like, slashes in our bio, Mm. and we're all doing many different things, and really wanted to own that. Um, But The Multi-Hyphen Method sounds a bit more grown-up. I prefer that option. Not not because it's grown-up, but I prefer it. Yeah, it's definitely a bit more, yeah, take it (laughs) a bit more seriously. Slashy also sounds like you're going for a wee. Well, that's what the publisher... (laughs) That's what the publisher said. That's why it wasn't called that. Um, so multi-hyphenate living, I guess I kind of coined the multi-hyphen thing. And I really wanted to just create a community for people who were sick of being judged or being called jack of all trades or, you know, people saying that they, they couldn't find the thing they're meant to be doing and really kind of turn it on its head and make it into a positive, really, that some of us don't work in the same way and some of us can't just pick one lane because we might have, like, neurodiversity or we might have multi, multiple passions. And also, I'm quite business-minded and the entrepreneurial side of me always wanted to have multiple income streams. I never wanted to just rely on one person paying me a salary. So, anyway, that book is looking at having multiple interests and um, being proud of it. Mm-hmm. And it's been hugely successful. And I think that probably, well, well A, I'm sure it's 
because of it's, it's the fact that it's a well-written book, but also the fact that people, I think, are really, especially now more than perhaps ever, thinking about, like, do I have to do one career for life? Like, my, my mum worked in the bank, my, my dad worked in the police. That was, like, career... That was their, their career style or life careers. I don't know what you want to call it. Vocations, I guess. But, you know, and there's no knock against that kind of decision or choice, and there's lots of people that do choose that. But there are, you know, a lot of people now, I think, who are thinking, well, actually... I don't want it to be one version all the time or forever, or perhaps even in a given period of time, I'd like to be many things at once. Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder if we can just, because initially I think one of the things people will ask, well, what's the difference between that and that kind of hustle culture? And I know it's something you're passionate about. You're not, you're not encouraging people to be hustling, as in like, let's work, you know, six till, you know, six in the morning till nine, and then nine to whatever, and then mm -hmm. up till midnight. That's, I know that's not what you want people to do. What is the kind of difference, would you say? Well, I think that, you know, it can be one way of doing it. I mean, in my 20s, I had mm. such boundless energy that mm. I would come back from a day job and start blogging and mm -hmm. do multiple things on the side. But like you say, I don't really want to be waving the flag for burnout and hustle culture. And I actually have a big part of that book that's about designing your life from scratch. Like, okay, you have 24 hours a day, you have, well, 12 hours, whatever, you have seven days a week. How can that, how can you make that work for you? And it might be that on Tuesdays you do one thing, on Thursdays you do another thing. I don't see it as working more, I see it as working differently and working maybe a bit smarter. You know, I know loads of people that have one job and sit in an office and, you know, don't really do that much and work endlessly. So I don't, I don't know if it's about like one job versus many, I think it's just about how you're using your time. So perhaps thinking about the productivity of time and, and using that uh, effectively, because I think a lot of the time it is, it's down to like how much energy you have as well, isn't it? And sometimes things, uh, you, can be in, you can be in a different situation and something energise you and then be in a different career or situation and something drain you. It's like people, right? If you're around certain people, they lift you and they energise you, whereas other people can actually drain at your energy. And I think that's something I found really interesting because often we talk about things like burnout in the sense that it's about, you know, working too hard and all your energy goes and obviously there is a limit. Even if you're really enjoying something, there's obviously a limit to how much energy you have. But it is interesting that actually burnout probably relates a lot more to being spending energy in the wrong places or doing things that drain you, isn't it? And environments that, that drain you and perhaps it's having lots of different situations or environments you work in or different focuses or feelings of purpose that then actually does give you that, you know, adding to effect of, of your energy and purpose in life. Yeah, and I think we're all different. And I think, you know, when a book like mine comes out with a new idea, hmm. people try and make it apply to everyone. And I don't think it does apply to everyone. This is for people who work well that way, like their brains actually function best when they're working on multiple things. Hmm. I interviewed loads of people for the book and there's someone who works as a parent paramedic but she's also a painter and sells her paintings online and makes quite a lot of money doing that. There's people who work as a chef and then they're also a podcaster and they make these amazing connections like I chop up recipes with food and then I chop up bits of audio and I make things with that and it's like there are many different things we can do with the same skills. And also, these each, each of these experiences can actually add to rather than take away from those skills. Like, you know, with medicine, yeah. it's a classic career. They have you to go into, you be a doctor, you work ridiculous hours, and that's what you do for the rest of your life. Um, and often we find that people get burnt out. So, you know, in fact, burnout is probably 
first originated or was really noticed amongst healthcare kind of caring professions, I guess, and particularly in the pandemic, or something really was talked about a lot. But actually, if, if you had a doctor who, say, did, I don't know, three days a week in the GP practice and, say, a day a week or two days a week doing yoga or a lifestyle medicine or something else, that actually can really add to their experience and the, the kind of quality of care they're providing to their patients in the general practice job. But I also the general so. practice will add to the other side as well. Yeah, because I think there's a myth around burnout that it's about hours worked. And of course it can be. Like yeah. if someone's in the NHS working all hours, of course that's going to lead to burnout. But there's also a different type of burnout, which is like you're really bored and you're not stimulated and you're kind of like just chiselling away at something that's not working. So I mm. think burnout can come from lots of different things. Yeah, and, and in a way, perhaps multi-hyphen living also will highlight the things that do energise you and also tell you the things that are, that are really you know, okay, maybe I'm spending time in the wrong place here. You know, because otherwise you spend, you know, there's many people you hear spend years and years of their life in a career or doing something that actually, they spend many years doing something that actually doesn't give them a sense of purpose or they don't feel fulfilled or, or enjoy it. And that's such a shame, isn't it? Whereas, you know, if you kind of open lots of doors and have a look in lots of different doors, try different things, you'll really then hone in on what is it that I do actually enjoy and want to do, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, it is an important conversation, though, to be had around when to stop and when enough is enough. Because I've got this rule personally where it's like one in, one out. Yeah. Like, I shut down my podcast because I was taking on a new project. Mm -hmm. um, I don't just add things on. I'm not like, oh, look at all these things I do. It's, it's very much like, what have I got the time and energy for? Almost like with clothes, you'd be like, yeah, I'll buy a new hoodie if I've, you know, sell one on vintage. Or whatever. Yeah, the other one's out the door. That's a good way of, yeah. good way of doing it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You've got lots of different hats now, and you are clearly living that multi-hyphenate life, kind of, I guess, like I am as well. Talk us through how you got to this point, because everything is a bit of a journey, to use a, a cliche. What does that look like for you? And, and, and are there particular times where you were aware that actually you were really in that hustle culture, or perhaps you were burning out? And, and were those the points that kind of taught you, like, or pointed you in the direction of going, actually, I'm going to change here? Yeah, I think, because I'm quite a sensitive person, I, I can actually feel like deeply when I'm happy or sad or you know like as in I can't just like ignore things mm. and just coast through life because I have to feel everything it's kind of annoying but what that means is I just know immediately when something's off mm. pretty much mm. I'm like I know when I don't mm. like something I know when I don't really like a person like it's just it's all very clear to me like what resonates with me and actually um 
that's made it easy now to kind of, you know, just step back from a few projects, step back from things that I felt I had to do. I don't know. I think I made just a lot of mistakes in my 20s because I was really doing it for the wrong reasons, maybe. Maybe trying to do it a bit more for external validation or for society or for to look successful. Um, and yeah, your, that's all changed now. What did your 20s look like? Wow. Talk us through your 20s. <laughs> my 20s were very, like, head down, work obsessed. But you know what? I don't, I don't want to look back on my 20s and, like, berate my 20-something self because... She worked really hard and got me to where I am now, where my life is really great. Mm. And so I just, she had loads of energy, but it's just, it's not the way I want to work now. And I did fall into the hustle culture trap, for sure. Because you were working full-time job, starting up lots of different projects on the side as well, starting, you know, effectively other income streams. And there is a bit of a balance to be had, isn't there? Because, of course, you know, often, especially if you're like, okay, you listen to this going, like, this is all very well, but I've got a full-time job, I need a full-time job because I've got to, you know, pay the rent and so, and so on. You can't just leave your job and maybe stop that without having another income stream. So often people have like crossover periods of time. But I guess the issue when it becomes perhaps hustle is when, or like a burn, like something that might contribute to a burnout is when you're like not actually transitioning, you're just adding on, almost like, you know, saying one in, one out. Yeah. Something needs to go out eventually for it to, to apply. If you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna take this on and transition out of this other job. But if you never actually do that, then you're actually just adding on to your... You're just adding on. I think I have always been quite clever with, with like my workload because when I was in my mid-twenties and I was working at a magazine and my blog was going really well on the mm. side, I just asked my boss if I could have a four-day week and I got it. They were like, yeah, sure. You know, you've made the case. Like, you, you know, you're working really well. Um, I don't know. I think I made like a slideshow presentation, mm. like a PowerPoint. I to like sell in, to sell in this day off I wanted. And also that takes quite a lot of confidence to be like, I'm worth, you know, keeping or whatever. Um, and everyone in the office, were, I remember them being quite annoyed with me because they were like, well, how come you get that? And I think really the point of the multi-hyphen method is like, we can ask for things, especially women aren't really taught to do that. So yeah, I think the book is a bit like, we can do it differently, but you, you do have to sort of ask for it as well. Because, mm. of course, you, you know, when you're working at, say, corporate, say, whether it's a magazine or other business, whatever, they, they're thinking, they look at each person. Obviously, in an ideal world, we think oh, they look at each person and see them as an individual. But when it comes to a business, they're looking at your input and output, aren't they? Ultimately, like, they're working out what, what is this person adding to, to the business. And I think sometimes it's easy and understandable to be afraid to say, well, actually, this is my output. Do you want my output or my time or both? Like, what, what, is it, what is the priority here? Whereas if I'm giving you the output you're looking for, I want some time back. And I think sometimes we, we almost like when you argue for like a salary, I guess, you're like arguing to be paid more for your time or for your output. But then if you're actually providing a great output already, why can't we have the same argument about time and say, well, actually, rather than paying me more, give me a day back. Yeah. Exactly. And then you can use it elsewhere. And, and also, going back to the point we were saying about you know, medicine and doctors, like, well, actually, if you give me that day back, what I will do outside of this will benefit what I'm doing yeah. in this role. Anyway, I'm sure because you, know, you, you started the blog, the blogs, you know, you've got it's a huge blog of, 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 of people and, that are reading and, and that are engaged in it. And I'd imagine that along with your writing now and being an author and obviously working 
at the time, that skill set that you're developing is bound to have a knock-on effect on everything else you're doing. Definitely, and they really they liked the fact that I had this sort of online brand thing going on. It obviously helped the magazine, but then there did get to a point where I had to choose, because you do have to choose things. It comes to a head where there's too much going on. We can't be lots of different people at once. Mm. Um, I couldn't have a full-time job then or a four-day week and also do all the other projects. And so really the point of that book is that if you start really small on the side, out of a love of something, this isn't about hustle, this is about what do I want to do with my time and what passion project. Like, you know, lots of people on Etsy or whatever, they're not trying to make it their full-time job, they're just doing it because they love it. If you put enough time and energy into that and you don't give up, it will actually start to creep up more and more hours in your week. And then you might have two days a week in an office and three days a week doing your business or whatever. And like, this is what I don't really understand about the multi-hyphen sort of people being quite like, not critical of it, but just not getting it, is I don't think that's very revolutionary actually, mm. having multiple things going on in your week. Mm. <laughs> like, I find <laughs> yeah. it really quite basic. Yeah. I don't know, maybe guess, I'm just born in the wrong era. But I think it's probably because we went to school where we had a structured school setting, you're at school for this number of years, then you go to university and you do that thing for a number of years, and then when you leave university you enter a job, and usually that job is nine to five, it's usually five days a week unless you're in shift-based work and and people we work around the premise that people pay you for a set amount of time don't they like you've got a working number of contract and of hours and you work for those hours and i think all of those things feed into that mechanism it's like well this is the thing that i do like this is this is my job and we do need those people we do need people and, like and the, there are lots of people that want a vacation and that is not that's absolutely crucial to society yeah. and it's just that we're not all like not that. all of us are like that i think that that is that is the point and many people like my mum my mum and my, my dad both of them actually they they liked what they did and they enjoyed having that being their sole focus within work they had lots of things outside of work that interest them and and actually i guess that's a good point does it is it all about your workplace or actually can you be multi-hyphenate or you know the way that you live life by doing that stuff outside of work and i don't mean in terms of entrepreneurial stuff but it also could be like, well, actually, my work fulfills its purpose and provides, pays the bills, but actually, I love being, doing kayaking or I love being a runner. So it's not all about like, money or earning, is it? It's, it's about no. life as well. Well, I think it's about actually separating out your, your, like, your creativity from your job sometimes because, honestly, I didn't really expect my career to go this way. I'm really grateful and I'm really happy that I get to be a full-time writer now. But, uh, but, you know, in a, in a parallel universe, I would be working in a different place, having a salary, and I would still be writing on the side. I would still be having a blog because I love doing that. That's something I'm always going to do. Um, so it's, it's about sort of coming at it from this frame of mind of like this thing that I'm doing on the side is giving me actually more than, than just financial or societal status. Like it's, it's feeding me, it's feeding my soul. And... I have a theory, I do believe this, that when we're doing something from that place, it, it does end up being successful because you're coming at it from this like energy exchange where you're not expecting it to solve your, all your problems mm. and not change your life. You know, you can do a side hustle yeah. and hustle away and it will never work or you could start like a side project and, and love it. So true. I think there's something in there as well that ultimately like anything that's going to be successful long term has hurdles and setbacks and challenges and it takes a huge amount of dedication, even if I may use the example of the Stompcast. You know, we've been doing this for a year and a half. There's been so many hurdles along the way. You know, there's so many times where you keep pushing and doing it and you're like, gosh, this is, 
you know, there's, there's the financial side, there's all the different things. Be like, no, I love this and I love doing it, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep doing it and see what happens. Yeah. But you could easily, if you didn't, for example, if I didn't love it, I might have stopped ages ago and then it wouldn't be doing what it's doing now. And it does actually really, I think for me, that's what resonates with me, that point that actually, if you start something because you love it and you're genuinely passionate and enjoy it, then you're gonna be able to overcome the inevitable challenges and you never know where it might lead you. But also, if it doesn't lead you somewhere where it's like, oh, it's become my job now, well, actually, you're still doing something you love. Yeah, and I'm enjoying and, it. And that's the funny thing about the book is, I just wrote it because I thought, this is interesting, and I like talking about this. And then all these corporations start inviting me into their offices, like Amazon HQ, and yeah. come and talk to 500 employees about, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I'm not, this is not why I'm doing this. I'm not like, here's a blueprint for an office. Like, I don't, I don't care about offices. I don't work in an office. So it's sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's people trying to make something, they're trying to put something into a system where you're being a creative person, just putting an idea out there. This is an idea to mm. share, you know? Mm. That's an interesting thought though. Why do you think companies like Amazon would have brought you in? I mean, I, I know why I think they should be interested, but why did they want you to talk to them about something? Because other people were like, well, hang on, why did they want you to get them outside of the workplace? It doesn't make sense. I think it was about actually, you know, some studies from inside Google say that when you give your employees 20% of their time back and, and ask them actually to just go and have fun, that really benefits your business. So Gmail came out of someone's side project within Google, apparently. Mm -hmm. And all these tech companies, they all have side projects within their company that they're beta testing at all times. Mm -hmm that we never see or they work out, they don't work out. So creativity and side projects, that is part of that culture. So I, I do understand why they invited me in and I was very flattered. But I also, I also thought it was just quite funny because, you know, people expect you to have the answers. And I was like 27 when I wrote that book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're being, you're being very humble saying that, but actually, and I know you said like it's not so revolutionary, but actually sometimes the most simple ideas are the most profound or the most important. I mean, a lot of say massive business organizations solve simple problems but perhaps you know it's it's not necessarily a, pro a problem but it's it's a way you know it's an idea that actually can empower people to to feel that they can live you know differently and, and you don't have to follow the well i have to be in a vocation for the rest of my life to be to be successful and i wonder um, as we come to the end of this I, I wonder um if you could share just a couple of tips so if someone's listening i think well actually you know there are there is a passion that i have something i really you know enjoy you know my, i think my mum you know something that she always enjoyed was knitting and now she's an, an, an upholstery but now she's done her upholstery course she's starting to do upholstery um she is retired but that's something i'd imagine you know in years gone by maybe she would have liked to have done so if you have something or someone's listening they have something that they want to try like that do you have tips about how to overcome perhaps the barriers or how to kind of start off just a simple few bits of advice would be amazing yeah i mean first of all if you've got an idea that you want to share I, I really think it's like a contribution to society. Like I, I only write books because I want them to exist because they weren't there for me. Like I would have loved a book about being a multi-hyphenate. So I wrote one, but, it, but it's all about sort of what do you want to read? So you, or what do you want to consume? Or what do you want to enjoy? Like, you know, go after that. The other thing would be to just start really, really small, take the pressure off. Um, for me, I sort of try and trick myself into uh, really, creating an environment that feels very playful when I'm working on my side projects. So, I don't know, like a really nice candle or like a nice walk or just get yourself into that zone where this isn't something that needs to change your life. It just is something for you. 
And then, yeah, I'm a really big fan of sound timers that you just have on your desk because, you know, we all get distracted by the internet and stuff. So um, I have one for 15 minutes, one for 30 minutes. And just have it there. Like, that's quite a lot of time to get yeah. started. Like, you don't need a day. So when people that's say true. they don't have time, I'm like, mm, I think you do. And, and actually, that, that kind of time, that 15, 20, 30 minutes, if you just steal that from your social media time, then, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Let's be honest, all of our social media, a lot of our social media average times are really, really high. Like, you're just kind of drawing back. And that's why you do wonder with social media. It's like, pulls people away from that ability just to sit with ideas and thoughts. Like, you know, in the past, before that time, you would just sit yeah. and quiet. You wouldn't always do things. Like, it's always interesting when, you know, you take a moment, you have a moment spare time. The first thing people do is they reach their phone. It's not like you sit there and just allow space to be. Like most creative ideas come from a place of space, don't they? Like they come from an opportunity, like where you've just been out for a walk or, you know, you're sat under a tree and an apple falls in your head or whatever, <laughs> as it goes. You know, it doesn't necessarily always come from sat there trying to like really think of something or, you know, brainstorm something all the time, does it? No, God, no. I, I don't write my books by sitting at my desk really. I mean, obviously I type them out there, but like all of the thinking and all of the notes and all of the life stuff comes from, yeah, just learning to be kind of comfortable with yourself, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love a good old scroll, like when I'm decompressing after a stressful meeting or whatever, I, you know, we're all human. Yeah. But I think it's just having that awareness of like, okay, my eyes have glazed over, yeah. <laughs> like time to yeah. step away. Create that, have, have scrolling. Maybe what we need to do is have like a sand timer for scrolling time. Yes. And then when it hits the bottom, you flip it over and yeah. you have your like, you lock back in into your yeah. kind of focus. I need a sand timer for vintage, honestly. Really? I'm just, uh, do you love it? I need to get off that. Because you feel like you're doing something better for the environment, but that doesn't mean I need to buy like five <laughs> of the same jumpers. <laughs> I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Well, thank you so much. We'll come to the end of part one there. We'll see you all in uh, part two very soon. I I'm pretty sure a lot of people that have listened to this part will be quite inspired hearing, uh, or at least thinking perhaps about this kind of multi-hyphenate uh, way of being. And it's something I'm sure a lot of people have considered before, but going, actually, it's a thing. Maybe I can do that. Who knows? Anyway, guys, we'll see you all in part two very soon. Take care and goodbye. If you're looking for more mental fitness content, check out my book, The Mind Manual, Mental Fitness Tools for Everyone and a Better Day and a Better Day Journal for Children. And if you have a man in your life, or indeed if you're a man listening to this, make sure you check out Metal, the app, M-E-T-T-L-E, -T Mental Fitness Tools that are designed for men. Download now. 